Welcome to Bushwhacking, where we bushwhack. I'm Jack. And I'm Fish. And welcome to our first episode of our spooktacular... <laughs> October season, uh, seasonal uh, extravaganza. This is our pumpkin spiced edition of <laughs> <laughs> Bushwhacking. Uh, we have four excellent October-themed episodes yes more specifically halloween themed episodes but we're extremely excited today we are going to be talking about halloween now as adults versus when we were kids and how they differ but first we want to thank all those of our subscribers and to our listeners thank you for tuning in make sure to like and subscribe and to rate our podcast so that it grows it really helps us out Get the word out on bushwhacking. And again, this is a whole month full of Halloween-themed episode. And so please tune in because at the end of the month, once Halloween arrives, we'll be starting off our spooky, scary, telling stories. That sounded horrible. (laughs) (laughs) But what we do is we we each tell a story of our own creation, and we, we let the public vote. To see who's the spooky king. And it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, so please listen in. And if you haven't, listen to last year's episode. Because our stories back then are still spooky today. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been working on these since, like, June. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so, um, I don't know if that says they're good or if we're just excited or both. Well, this whole... I feel like... All the episodes, and I don't want to spoil anything other than today's title, but I feel like this whole month, I've just been thinking and preparing for all of our Halloween episodes, because we've been looking forward to this month, almost the entire year, at least I have, mainly because nobody voted for the Spooky King, so please vote. Yep, so this is how today's episode is going to go. We have uh, four... Halloween traditions uh, and the origin stories behind these traditions, and we each have the the history of, of this of these traditions. Bushwhacked history. Bushwhacked history. So, and one of them is real, and one of them is totally made up. Uh, and you guys have to figure out which one is which, and we'll reveal at the end uh, of each story which which one is real and which one's fake. I thought that would be kind of a fun game. Sure. So, uh, which which one do we want to do first? Oh, but mm. we have to get into it. We have to get into it? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. All right. So, first off, let's get into the bushwhack. Mm. Nothing like a pumpkin spiced ginger ale. Mm. It's not pumpkin spice. It's no, just it's regular ginger ale. <laughs> that might be good, though. What? What it? Pumpkin spiced ginger ale. Everything with pumpkin spice is better. I try a pumpkin soda for sure. Pumpkin ice cream. Well, that's delicious. That might, that would be good. Pumpkin ice cream is awesome. Pumpkin peanut butter. I could see that pumpkin spice peanut. Butter. See anything that you add pumpkin. Name a thing that is bad with pumpkin spice. Gas. <laughs> pumpkin spice gasoline i don't know it, I, if if it smells like pumpkin spice everywhere that cars have been that's a world i want to live in mm, nothing like some methane and some <laughs> <laughs> pumpkin spice <laughs> I, I i i think the my point still has to be proven <laughs> okay um but yeah which which tradition do we want to do we're talking about pumpkins so do we want to do jack-o'-lanterns yeah this this one's really fun because um, like if an alien species were viewing us 
and they saw jack lanterns they'd think it's kind of weird like on, on the surface it is kind of weird which means that it has a rich history <laughs> which we'll get into mm-hmm. so um why don't why don't you go with your your version jack and then right. I'll, and then i'll share my version and let's keep these uh kind of uh uh brief and then the the real story we can go into more details some more gritty details all right so the history behind this is very long and wordy so i'm just going to condense it yeah so cue spooky music a long time ago there was a man named jack and this man was so evil when he was here in the mortal plane that he started a podcast. <laughs> no, this is not my life story. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I had to. All right. Cue the spooky music again. But this man, Jack, when he roamed the earth, he did all manner of horrible deeds. He robbed, he raped, he killed. He did pretty much everything you can imagine under the sun. And this Jack... When he finally died, and when he went, the legend goes that when he went before the judgment seat, he was so bad that without even a question, without even a thought, he was thrust down to hell. And there in hell, he continued with his dastardly deeds so much that the devil himself cast him out of hell. Wow. And the only thing, the only thing that led this man, Jack, to wander the mists of the void between hell and heaven was a hollow turnip. A hollow and in this, turnip. And in this turnip, he lit a candle. And that was his only vessel of which he could hold light. And he wandered in between the void of heaven and earth and hell, holding this lantern. And that's why they called it Jack-O-Lantern. But wait, where, where does the pumpkin come from? <laughs> well, that's the story of old Jack. How the legend became our reality is that as it, it, this was a old Irish story and as it kind of got morphed in with the Celtic history of Halloween and All Hallows Eve, it eventually made its way from turnips to jack-o'-lanterns that we know today of pumpkins where they were hollowed out and put with faces. Where the face comes from, that I do not know, but I do know that somewhere in the void... Old Jack still lurks about in the dark with his jack-o'-lantern. Ooh, spooky. And that's where jack-o'-lanterns come from. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Okay, so now I'll I'll share my version. Okay. And then uh, we'll reveal which one is the actual true one. Um, And then we'll we'll talk about jack-o'-lanterns and what we like about them and what we don't. That's good. Okay, so my version... Uh, it's a lot less mystic, I suppose, but it, it it's really interesting nonetheless. All the sources that I looked at um, had a lot of really fun details, but I guess when the, the settlers or the immigrants came over to America, this is like uh, 18th century, like seven, 1700, so pretty early on. Mm-hmm. But they, they saw all these pumpkins everywhere, and they're like, what do we do with these pumpkins? Uh, so they, um, they, they were trying to find a purpose for all these pumpkins that were just lying around. And as it happens, the, the journey over was not very kind to a lot of these immigrants um, and all these early settlers. A lot of them lost family members. Um, and so... Uh, what what they would do is they would carve these pumpkins and put a they would have a, a lost family member in mind as they carved these pumpkins and they would carve a face of how they remembered their loved ones so and a lot of them would be happy faces um because a lot of times we remember our loved ones as uh happy and we put them on a pedestal and whatnot and but Every once in a while, there'd be a, a scowling face for the, the grumpy old grandpa that they lost or whatever. Um, but the idea was um, they, would, they would put a candle in the pumpkin 
and they have this face and it would be a guide for their family members to come and and also act as a vessel for the family members so a guide and a uh a, a vessel that the family members could be with them for a night um and they they actually called them uh like guiding pumpkins or like guiders or um down in the southern states they would call them uh pumpkin jacks but th- this is sort of confusing to me because uh the the story of jack comes later where um there was this guy his name was john martin but his nickname was jack uh and he he came over and he he lost his sister on the journey over to america um and his sister had a, a daughter who he really loved, his his niece. And so they carved a pumpkin one time, uh, a guiding pumpkin. And she was thinking of her mom, obviously, when she carved this pumpkin. Um, and they would put them out on the streets so that the spirits or whatever could come and see the house or whatever and come to the right house. And he thought it would be a really interesting idea and fun to take the pumpkin and put it on the porch, from the street to the porch, just like a little simple thing. Um, and so he did that in the middle of the night, and his niece loved that. And she told everybody she was ecstatic that her mom actually came and uh, traveled this pumpkin. Um, and so she told everyone, and it delighted her so much that he had to do it every year. And he actually started like a like a clause situation. He, he had to do it for everybody in the town. Um, so uh, he would go um, to all the neighborhood and bring in the pumpkins and put them on the porch and relight the, the candles if they'd gone out and stuff like that. And so they eventually became Jack Jack's lanterns or jack-o'-lanterns. Um, but, um, and, and there's like one account where he they would actually keep them unlit the candles and then he would come and light the candles as an an extra sign that uh the spirit had come to the pumpkin or whatever Hmm. so and that that's uh jack-o'-lanterns 1750s in uh new hampshire all right (laughs) (laughs) he was in the south well, no, no, no. It, 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 the, the guiding pumpkins are uh, all across the colonial states, uh-huh. but Jack was from New Hampshire, and that's where it started. New Hampshire? Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Well, well, what do you guys think? Yeah. Let's reveal, <laughs> let's reveal the true story after all of the stories. Oh, okay. Okay. So what's the next one? Um, candy corn? Yeah, let's do candy corn. All right. You can go first again. All right. So this one is actually a pretty simple uh, uh, tradition, and the story behind it is actually not all that marvelous. But what would happen is that back in the day when candy was basically just really boiled sugar mixed with maybe some spices or maybe some flavorings there. So all that would happen is after making some uh, big candies at these stores. Um, this guy, his name was Johnson. He and his candy factory would make these kind of taffies. But before you can make the taffy, you have to make the base. And the base was kind of this clear kind of uh, like form that you would eventually put in colorings and then put onto the hooks to stretch the taffy, right? But there was always these kind of leftovers. And he had this little metal grate that would kind of filter out some things, but that was for like what he would fill out like peanuts and stuff. So he accidentally dropped some of the hot material from that and it would drip, but the way it would drip would make kind of like these teardrop kind of forms. Mm. And after they would harden, they looked kind of like teardrops. And at first he wanted to sell them as teardrops because he was like, well, I can't just waste this product. But it didn't really work out. And then he realized that Halloween was coming. And Halloween, while it was still an up-and-coming holiday, was one of the highest uh, grossing days for selling candy for the whole United States. 
So he kind of thought, he thought maybe he can make ghosts. No. He thought about, he can't make that a pumpkin. No. He thought about making a whole corn kernel or whole corn, but it didn't look right. But then he realized, wait, this looks like corn, like a kernel of corn. Even though it, it, it wasn't like perfect, he decided, okay, maybe if I like add a little bit of coloring to like this taffy and it looked after a few tries, it looked like a kernel of corn with the classic, uh, it was yellow and white at first. They didn't add the orange until later. Um, but when he sold it, it actually did pretty well, especially around Halloween and Thanksgiving time. It wasn't until years later that he added the orange because it made a little bit more sense with the fall season. It added that little touch. Uh, yeah. And then the recipe kind of changed over time. At first it was a little bit more like saltwater taffy and then it changed into kind of the more, I don't know what, just kind of sugary mush that it is now today. Nice. In my in my opinion, I think Johnson's recipe would have been better, but <laughs> well, yeah. Much has to be said about if candy corns are actually good. <laughs> <laughs> it's highly debated. <laughs> I think they're not bad. And and I'm under the opinion that they're a a, a bane to mankind. <laughs> oh, come on now. Now, it's more a nostalgia thing for me. Like if I was given a Kit Kat versus a candy corn, I'd probably eat the Kit Kat every time. But it's a nostalgia thing for me, for sure. I'd rather eat broccoli. If I was given a handful you know of what? broccoli. You know what, Fish? You know what? <laughs> you know what? Tell your story. Okay. <laughs> okay. So this, this is my story. So um, this was candy corns. So, okay. So the setting is um, late 19th century, um, late 1800s. And half of America were farmers, right? And and so uh, these candy companies often would make uh, agricultural-based products. Um, and so they invented candy corns in Pennsylvania, and then it got picked up by the, the Jelly Bean Company, actually. Huh. Um, where... Uh, Obviously, they're they're more well known for jelly beans, but uh, they were the ones that brought candy corns into the forefront. But they would make corn, they'd make pumpkins, they'd make chestnuts, they'd make turnips, <laughs> just all these agriculture products, and sell them to the the farmers' kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and some, but something that was interesting was. Um, Back in the day, there was no such thing as like sweet corn. It was all just like this really mealy, uh, like chicken feed, and and that's exactly what they would call it is chicken feed. It it wasn't even considered a a human food uh, at that time. So all the advertisements would have like um, like a rooster plucking at these candy corns. <laughs> um, <laughs> Really, something to make you crow, and oh gosh, <laughs> um, but then uh, of course uh, the the candy corn that we know today, it the the major shareholder is Brock's uh, Brock's candy corn, mm-hmm. um, and Jelly Bean still makes them, but uh, they they only have like fifteen percent of the the shares. Interesting. Um. But yeah, so then uh, it was called like chicken feed into, up until like World War One. World War One happened and there was a, a wheat shortage. And so that's when people started using corn, like cornmeal instead of flour because um, they had to look for alternative sources for their, their flour. Um, and then eventually uh, like a sweet corn variant came about that brought uh corn into the the human diet uh more firmly and then it became candy corn and instead <laughs> of chicken feed nice. <laughs> um that yeah that's that's pretty much it cool for, for candy corns all right listeners take note and we'll reveal the answer later <laughs> <laughs> okay okay all right what's the next one um well so we have apple bobbing and trick or treating and I think trick-or-treating is like the epitome of Halloween. Yeah. So we should save that for last. So let, okay. let's do apple bobbing. Okay. 
So again, this one is actually, uh, according to Jack, this one is actually pretty simple too. Just give me a minute to look up my notes. So this is actually a British uh, tradition that happened uh, in the 1700s, but kind of dwindled off as its main thing in the 1800s. But as an English game, it actually was kind of a dating game. Really? Yeah. So, but it had different rules. So think of it as like spin the bottle, but more like <laughs> drown the apple. <laughs> okay. Because what would happen is that uh, there are different ways you could play it, but one of them was each apple was assigned by either a name or a symbol or just by knowing to uh, an eligible bachelor in the group mm. of the party. And the young woman would have to bob for the apple that she thought was correlated to the guy that she wanted to dance with. And so if she got it, then she got to be with that guy. But if she didn't, she got to dance with the other guy. But uh, it could have been uh, a lot of different things. Like it was never intended to be like you're bobbing for an apple to have it as a treat. And the only way to get it is without your hands. It was meant to be kind of a fun courting game. Interesting. Yeah. But it, it declined and now it kind of became, you know, drown, drown your friends and laugh at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you, ever, you haven't seen that office episode where she like is like just in the bucket for like minutes. She's like, guys, she's not moving. And then she like, they like pull her up and she's like, three. I ate three apples. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. So they didn't actually eat the apples. The apples, in fact, the apples weren't even apples. The apples were about people. So, so do you know that uh, that board game with the fishing the the fishing board game where there's like this rotating plate of fish, yeah fishes that, that fishing game and you have the little pole with a string and the little <laughs> ball <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> yeah so I'm, I'm imagining it's like that where you're um, you're trying to get the right fish or the, the right apple because <laughs> you have your eyes on one particular guy or whatever. <laughs> Right? Yeah. <laughs> that is how the apple bobbing do. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. So what's your story? Okay, yeah. So so my my history <laughs> um it's so it's funny. So the what, the way we were planning this episode is uh one of us does the research and finds the real story and the other one doesn't do the research and just makes something up whole cloth, right? Yeah. So so um uh, I'll I'll just say it's it's impressive that we both came to a, a similar <laughs> a similar story, but um, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so uh, the the true uh, history, according to Fish, of apple bobbing bushwhacked history. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this uh, the small town in Spain actually that uh, Olvena. Early 19th century, they they had this um, this harvest festival, uh, and they would do all sorts of different activities. Nothing super like pagish or paganish or whatever. Pagish, pagish, pagish. <laughs> you might um, want to fix your dress there. You're looking a little pagish. Pagish. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but this this town is is right next to um, the the Rio Acera. Uh, the this river um and then there's this whirlpool in right next to the town it's sort of this just gently swirling uh whirlpool and another feature of this river is that there's lots of apple trees that overhang it um and so around fall time th there's a lot of apples that fall into the river and get caught in the whirlpool and so they have there's the, all these apples that are just slowly swirling around in this river um, and so as, as part of the festival, um, all the, the teens and, and young adults would, um, would, would have this almost contest where if, if they were able to uh, retrieve an apple without using their hands, so they have to dive in the river and, and try to grab an apple with their mouth, <laughs> um, and, and bring it back. Uh, it would earn them a kiss from pretty much anyone that uh, they wanted. In, in reality, it was more like a, 
an agreed upon thing where you're like, hey, hey, Sally, uh, if I get an apple, will you be my my uh, my apple kiss? <laughs> and and it, it I was, could see it be consensual because otherwise it'd be like, hey, kiss me. No, I got an apple. <laughs> you, you, Dang it. <laughs> oh, no, he's got an apple. <laughs> Run away. I can't kiss him. <laughs> I won't yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. You uh, are legally bound by the apple. The Do Harvest it. Festival law dictates you must kiss. <laughs> um, no, but so it was called kissing apples at first. Mm. Um, but so it, eventually as it progressed, uh, a lot of the townsfolk didn't like it because um, of sanitary reasons. I mean, th- there's all these like rotten apples that they're grabbing with their teeth. <laughs> um, and then uh, there was also like some reports of teens and, and stuff that were taking it a little bit too far, maybe. <laughs> and uh, maybe getting a little bit more than a kiss. <clears throat> but um, so, so what they did was they. There's been a nasty case of crab apples in the teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so they they brought it inside. They filled up a tub and and did fresh apples. That all drown them out. Um <laughs> and and maybe had a, a a modicum of adult supervision. Um But yeah, that, that's apple bobbing for you. <laughs> nice. Okay. Okay. All right. Now trigger trading. Have you ever gone apple bobbing? Yeah, actually. So I had a Halloween party I, I th- Halloween has been my favorite holiday next to Christmas ever since I was a kid because I think mainly it was my mom because the costumes my mom would make were amazing, right? Yeah. But I don't know. Something about it wasn't even the candy as a kid. It was actually the scary stuff. And at first it took a really hard time for me to like get there. Anyway, so I had a, I had this Halloween party I wanted to throw as a kid. And at first I didn't think anybody would show up and they finally did. And one of the things we did was bobbing for apples. But that's the only time at my own Halloween party that I actually bob for apples. Yeah, I've never been apple bobbing before. Really? Is that a a verb? Apple bobbing? Would you care to bob an apple with me? I would love to. I thought you never asked. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The closest thing I did was um, donuts on a string. Oh, yeah. That's not bobbing. That's just donut stringing. I don't know what that... It's, It's like... That it's is not like, even difficult. No, you just turn your head sideways and you grab the donut, and it's just a donut. There's it's so it's much, just a harder way to eat a donut. That's a bushwhack unto itself. Is games with food. You know, have you ever yeah. played the one where you place the cookie on your forehead and you have to get it oh, into your yeah. mouth? The Oreo thing. My friend Jordan Saltmarsh and all my roommates will attest that I'm the best at that game. <laughs> <laughs> nice brag. The cookie cannot hide from me. <laughs> That's a that's a weird flex, Jack. Uh well, you know, it's it's it it anyway. <laughs> All right. Now let's okay. get into the last one. The finale, trick or treating. All right. So trick or treating. Back in the days when All Hallows Eve was a holiday and when it was actually more practiced and not celebrated. There was also a time at the harvest um festival of when they would realize that the spooks and the the ghosts were coming to the land they also had a practice where the town a priest or the town shaman would go house to house almost in like a holy manner to make sure that everybody was safe but what would happen is that there was a ritual to it it was almost like a sacrament to where every time you would knock on the house the in order to like observe that we are a holy house and the ghosts cannot enter in they would give the shaman a parcel of food but usually it was sweets usually it was um sweet bread Mm. and that kind of came later as it kind of became part of like their traditional food but at first it was just like anything that they had but it was to kind of be like a sacrament of like, hey, we're safe and we're giving our holy man food as a sacrifice. But what would happen is that those that weren't prepared usually didn't know what was going on. They'd have an old man because it would happen at night. That was the whole point. It was almost in a kinship to the destroying angel in the book of Exodus 
with Moses. And those who would get a knock at the door would either be prepared and give out the parcel of food, or they would be like, what the crap are you doing here in the middle of the night? And then they would get really angry. Or they wouldn't just open the door at all. Hmm. And the the priest would move on. But it was noted, not like a ghost would come into the place, but if anything bad did happen at that place, he wouldn't go check on them for the rest of the winter. Hmm. So that was a scary thing, is that sometimes once the winter was done, there were entire households dead because nobody was checking up on them. Either they froze to death or something happened to where they couldn't get out because they weren't in the communal loop. That's some trick. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) And so the tradition kind of died out. And then once the Americanized Halloween came with like trick-or-treating, it kind of revived itself. It almost like resurrected an old religious practice in a way. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess I'll share my story. Go ahead. Okay, so the origin of, of trick-or-treating. Really, a lot of historians feel like uh, it was really uh, organically created by children around ni- 1920, 1930. But there, there were uh, some uh, precursor elements, of course, that they, they the kids drew upon to to create this this uh, phenomenon the one of the these aspects comes from this uh celtic holiday uh called um Samhain. this this is a festival that uh s- sort of celebrates the the merging of the light part of the year and the dark part of the year um and it's really a a, a sort of where th- where the worlds are close together the spirit world and the fairy world are are all very close together um and so there's there's lots of instances where spirits will visit our realm um and so part of that uh that holiday is that they would dress up in costumes dressing up as like a a spirit or a fairy or a sprite or whatever and and go uh go around town um, and people would offer them food. One, it was like a like an offering to spirit the spirits to buy their protection, um, and also uh, for like protection against bad spirits to keep them away, like a, an appeasement uh, <laughs> offering. So there's like the two sides of it: the the light and the dark. You you want to bring the good spirits uh, around you to protect you and. Uh, keep away the bad spirits. And so that that's that brings the elements of the costumes um, and and some of the um, the food aspect to it um, and a, a little bit of the the trick part too because um, they oftentimes they would go around and uh, be mischievous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then the other part is later on um, like during the medieval times the there was uh, a celebration during October 31st uh, where they would go around asking for soul cakes. And these, these soul cakes are sort of like a sort of a sweet spice, uh, spiced bread. Um, but this was like the children and the poor people that would go around and sing, sing songs and, and uh, say prayers and ask people to offer them uh, these soul cakes, um, and 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 in return they would uh, those households would be blessed for giving for being so giving, and so that that's the the elements of going door to door and asking for food um, and and getting something in return. Um, but so then the the kids in 1930s. Uh, really like um there there really was this element of give us a treat or we're gonna pull a prank on you mm-hmm. it, was, it was almost like a, a blackmail thing um and, and that uh it it sort of took a, a dive during world war ii with there was a a sugar shortage and it, and it almost killed it off 
in an alternate universe, there is no trick-or-treating because of <laughs> World War II, um, which is sort of interesting to think about, like, what, what else might we have lost during the war? Mm-hmm. Um, but it gained a resurgence uh, after the war, uh, especially in the 50s and 60s. Um, yeah, because now everybody wanted to be just like their their dad or their uncle who served in the war, and they uh, all dressed up as them. Right. Um, and that and that is the origin of trick-or-treating. Interesting. All right, listeners. Well, thank you for listening thus far. <laughs> so we're going to reveal which stories were true. So. Okay, the first one. For Jack O'Lanterns, the true story was told by... Jack. Yeah. So we figured Jack should have the true story. <laughs> Jack Lanterns. So it's interesting because, well, like there's a few different ones that I read, but the one that I heard from a kid as a kid was the one about the turnip. But it right. all involves a guy named Jack that was so bad he was even cashed out of hell. Yeah, he's like a, uh, like an in between guy. He's not good enough to go to heaven, but he's, uh, uh. Maybe too bad. Is it too bad or is, was he like... No, he was like horrible. He was horrible. Too bad even for hell. Too bad even for hell. Interesting. He's like a... He's like a... Uh, Jack <laughs> Captain. Ripper. Captain by a man. So evil. The hell himself spat him back out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a no... Anyway. Yeah. So it's, it's that same principle. Uh, a real life Barbosa. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... Um, what do you what do you think about jack lanterns? Like, do you like them? Do you think that's a fun tradition? Absolutely, I love. There's something about pumpkins that just like bring out the Halloween spirit for sure. It almost makes me sad that like they're. I wish Thanksgiving and Halloween were like switched. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it would make more sense to like discard of like older pumpkins that you don't want to eat until later. <laughs> I don't know. Instead of like at the beginning, <laughs> right. but well, that's something interesting too. Is like uh, I read online that ninety five percent of pumpkins are carved for Halloween. Dude, that is like it actually makes you sad because I think the carving tradition should still go on. But pumpkin is good. Like I think it's an underused vegetable fruit. Oh yeah, totally. gourd, gourd. Uh, it's a fruit. It is a fruit, isn't it? I think it's technically, I don't know. I think it is technically a fruit. Yeah. There's got to be a better definition than just seeds. Because everything has seeds. You know, like, you can tell if it's a fruit because you can see seeds. It's like, everything has seeds. Well, and it's How like, else would it grow? Well, and uh, the whole food definition thing is, uh, I, I have little patience for. Because <laughs> it's like, a watermelon is a berry, but a raspberry isn't a berry. Right. You know, I was like, what, what the crap? What, what is this? <laughs> anyway. So, yeah. Well, let's reveal the rest of the story so everybody hears. And yeah. Then. Okay. So, so I got, ja- I had the true story for jack-o'-lanterns. And then for... Candy corns. Candy corns. The that- true story was from... Me. Yes. Fish. <laughs> um, so chicken feet is, is a real thing. I thought that was interesting. It's sweet. It smells sweet. Have you ever noticed when... Did you ever feed the chickens? Uh yeah, did you hey, ever I mean, notice it, the smell of corn feed? It's yeah, like really, really like intensely sweet. Yeah, I think uh, that we probably have gotten all the all the things have gotten sweeter. All the variants have gotten a little bit sweeter over time. But just like the feed itself, yeah, it's crazy. Well, that that makes sense too, because like you want to sell to the public like what they want, you know? Yeah. Um, but the fun fact for candy corns. 35 million pounds is made a year. And only one pound is eaten <laughs> the by rest. a single man in Pennsylvania named George. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, and the rest are uh, sitting in a bowl for decoration forever hard. Yeah. Eternally hard. <laughs> Seriously. Okay. So then apple bobbing. So the true story for apple bobbing was actually mine. Ha, Jack. So, um, 
I probably could have gone a little bit deeper as to why people began bobbing for apples. Maybe it was some poor farmer who had an orchard by the river and the only way he could reach it for some reason, maybe because he was holding onto a tree, was to bite the apple to, you yeah. know, get it back into his harvest. But then by then he realized that there was a bite in the apple and no one would bite. Anyway, I, well, but you the, know, I think some some traditions are just really cut from whole cloth on it. Like the, no, or, no the Oreo thing. Yeah. There's no backstory for the Oreo has game. That, right. And not everybody knows it, but um, I did find out that it was, it used to be a game that had a purpose because now it's just like a treat. You bob for an apple to get the treat, you know, or to say that you did it. But back then it used to be, uh, it used to be like Tinder with fruit. <laughs> <laughs> the original Tinder. You don't swipe. Let's, let's make an app. You don't swipe, you bite. Let's call it bobbing. Bobbing apple. Mm. I, I bob, I'll bob that. And every time somebody matches, how do you like them apples? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then the last one is trick-or-treating. Uh, and I had the, the, the true story. But I was close. Yeah, that was really good. I was actually listening to your show. I was like, whoa, whoa. And I'll be honest, I kind of pulled all of my stories right out of my butt. <laughs> Well, that's, that's that's perfect. That's where the best stories come. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as William Thoreau contemplated with <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe, they both agreed the best stories come out of one's butt. <laughs> no, so, so I I was really intrigued by the, the concept of like Samhain and having light and dark. Like and the the meeting between the two, and that that's Halloween is this this time of year that is gray and uh, sort of uh, twilight of our perceptions, um, where our fears are actually fun, and uh, we we actually strive for darkness in in a, in a weird sense. It's interesting because you got the two. You got the two kind of holidays, Halloween, and then you got Christmas, which are like, you know, finding dark in the darkness. And then you got finding light in the darkness kind of thing, you know. But my question to you to go to our uh, main um, bushwhack was the difference between Halloween as a kid and Halloween now. Knowing all of these things that we just learned about from all these various traditions, what kind of comes to mind like celebrating halloween as a kid versus celebrating halloween as now as an adult well yeah so i was thinking about that um and i i think the I, trick-or-treating is really the epitome of halloween to me um as an as an adult even to the, the like the so i see the point of trick-or-treating as um you're you're a kid and you don't know what what the world's about right and so you got to learn about the world so and halloween is this opportunity that you can dress up as your favorite adult you can dress up like an army guy like you were saying before you can dress up like superman or batman or you know what whatever your hero is or you, you dress up as something scary um and face your fears sort of like batman dressing up like a bat um but then you, you go out uh, armed with this sort of uh, costume adultness, adulthood, and you are facing all the fears that could possibly be out there. You know, uh, you're, you're scared of spiders. There's plenty of spiders. You're scared of dead people. A ton of dead people. Uh, scared of uh, psycho murderers. You got lots of Jasons and lots of uh, Mike Myers. Um, and, and then you, as you face these fears and you walk up to the door and you face these adults that are also dressed up as goblins or vampires or whatever, and you get rewarded for facing your fears. Um, and so, so that's sort of like play testing, uh, the world. It, it teaches you how to face the world as a kid. Um, that was, that was deep. I was just going to say that the difference is that as a kid, I used to go out and get candy. And now as an adult, I got to buy the candy. Just go buy it. Just go buy it. Which has its 
which has its advantages. But I guess what you said makes a lot of sense. Well, and like, I I can't get Michaela, my wife, to watch scary movies very often. Hmm. Um, but during Halloween, October season, I can get her to watch a scary movie anytime that we have time to watch a movie. Because mm-hmm. um, this this is a time to face our fears and, yeah. and be rewarded for it. I like that. And so even as an adult, uh, like the difference between a kid and an adult, I don't, I don't get candy as my reward, but I'm, I'm still facing my fears. I'm still getting rewarded for that, uh, by getting a, a snuggle from my wife or, you know, something like that. A snuggle. Oh, mm-hmm. Halloween Bob, snuggles. Bobbing for apples for her, I assume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so, I will. Oh, so. No, go ahead. I'll, I'll just say on that point. Um, there's more couples that are, uh, created on Halloween than Valentine's day. And it's because jump scares, you, you grab onto your partner and it, it brings you together. That's what Valentine's day really needs is a, it's, it needs an adrenaline rush for sure. <laughs> it makes more sense, but I guess for Valentine's day, like couples aren't like made on Valentine's day. They're more solidified. I would feel like, yeah. But that makes complete sense. Um, we need a Valentine's monster. Ricardio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ricardio or... I'm going to take that art. <laughs> It'll be my bride. <laughs> so when Is that you were... your best George Decay? No. <laughs> that was my Ricardio accent. I don't, I, I don't imitate the man who does the imitations. I imitate the imitations. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah, but when you were a kid, what was your... What was your first costume you remember wearing? And what was your uh, last costume? Huh. Um, well, so my earliest one that I remember, I was the Scarecrow from Wizard of Oz. And it wasn't even my choice. It was like, <laughs> you know, my mom went to Costco and got one off the shelf and she thought I'd look cute. We um, never have a choice as a kid back then. It's not really, like, really early on. Once we can actually talk. <laughs> and then I was Spider-Man. And I was a skeleton, and I, I really liked those. Those were my choice. Um, but my favorite costume was uh, Charlie Chaplin. I was Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> and I, I, um, everyone thought I was Hitler. Of course they would. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I really tried to play like the you know the pigeon foot and the the ratty clothes, mm-hmm. and the the cane or whatever. To try to really get people to say, like, I'm Charlie Chaplin. I'm not Hitler. Charlie Chaplin is just what Hitler would be if he passed art school. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the latest one, uh, I was Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, my gosh. I, I got a bunch of... course of, you would be. <laughs> I got a bunch of uh, paint shade, you know, the paint sampler yeah. <laughs> pamphlet things, and I, I just pasted them all on me. And you so and I, your puns. <laughs> I, was, I was Fifty Shades. You're like strong bad. What? <laughs> Nothing. You look great. Of course I do. I'm the bee. <laughs> I don't think it looks that great. <laughs> you thought I would be the bee? You thought I was the bee? <laughs> yeah. um, what about you? So my, as a kid, my uh, costumes were mainly homemade. So my mom would be like almost in September, like beginning of September, like, hey, what do you want to be for Halloween? And then I would start to think. And then we would go to DI. You remember DI? Oh, yeah. So for those who don't know, DI is the Utah version of Goodwill. And there's Goodwill in Utah, but like DI is like the place to go. Yeah. And they would have so many options. And they were, the thing I liked about DI is that it was authentic. You know, it wasn't like the cheap, really loose fitting, um, costumes like you could make your own costumes that fit you but you may have to sacrifice here and there but i was my first halloween costume that i think i remember i i was robin hood one year and i was usually i don't know if i always went toward the hero but i remember my first costume that i saw myself in like now that i'm an adult the first one i was ever in was a dragon actually it was like this really like lime green with like yellow scales and like red like tail. You know, I don't know what you would call those. Like the scales that like a stegosaurus has. That oh, go, yeah. The, the spine. spine. Yeah. The spine spikes. Or whatever. Yeah. And then I had like 
a dragon flame that was like coming out of my chin like a handkerchief yeah <laughs> um and then as i kept going i was the zombie from hocus pocus which is awesome i looked awesome nice and then i was jack sparrow in fifth grade and then it just kind of kept going and i loved making weird costumes i once was a lazy guy i wore a shirt that said the governor and it was arnold schwarzenegger when he was the governor of california <laughs> and i took some of my mom's mascara and i put it all over my peach fuzz to make it look like i had a five o'clock shadow nice and the governor the governor i actually i loved doing costumes so much that on uh Back to the Future Day in 2015, I dressed up as Marty McFly. I had the life preserver, quote unquote. Yeah. I had the aviators and I had the perfect denim jacket and button up shirt underneath. I looked like Marty McFly if he were like maybe 50 pounds heavier. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as an adult though, um, I've always loved kind of the like the unknown kind of costume ideas you know like um i guess ron swanson isn't really like that unknown but i've always wanted to be ron swanson um just because i could pull him off but like hopper i was hopper for a few years so like these these uh obscure references yeah i love i love the obscure references and i love seeing them with other people too i mean i'll, I'll say hopper isn't and as uh, an obscure you reference. You think that, but no one knew who I freaking was. <laughs> Is that a reflection on your costume quality? No, I looked exactly like him. <laughs> if you showed a picture of me as Hopper compared to what Hopper looked like in season three, you would be like, okay, wow, you do actually look like him because I have the exact same shirt, the mustache, and the makeup of all the beating up he got in the face. So yeah, it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. But um, a little defensive, but okay. One costume I want to work on though is I actually want to make a Wild West costume, but like a nice one, one that I could wear. Like if I was ever invited to like one of those Wild West competitions, where oh, like right. you have like your own backstory and like there's actual quick draw competitions and stuff like that. I want an authentic enough uh, Western costume like that. Yeah, there's something to be said about like really high quality costumes that you can wear year after year. Yeah, they're actually, and they take a while to build, but I think that's one of the cool things about being an adult is that maybe I'm a little too much into it. It's not like I look like every day on eBay for like, oh, I got to get this perfect cowhide vest, you know? But it is something that I have in my mind of like, yeah, I want to be that one here. Whereas a kid, it's almost like I remember like switching my mind, like, October 1st, I wanted to be Robin Hood. October 2nd, I wanted to be like a NASCAR driver or something like that. Yeah. But. And I, I have a hard time bringing myself to put a ton of effort into a one-night thing. Yeah. And so if, if I wear it lots of times, then it becomes a little bit more worth it. But I'm definitely more on the 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 low-quality, put-on-a-dipper-hat, call-it-good. Right. So let's talk about that. So as a kid... I feel like both of us kind of followed the tradition of you get a costume, maybe, maybe we went to school in that costume for a day. Um, and then on Halloween, we went trick-or-treating. As an adult now, how has Halloween changed and do you like it better? Do you miss it as a, do you miss Halloween as a kid? Yeah, I, I really do think it is a, a, a kid holiday. Um, and so my love of Halloween is really nostalgia based. I, I'm not creating a lot of new memories these days mm. at, on Halloween. Um, it's all just trying to recapture what I experienced back in the day as a kid. Mm. Um, but like, like what I was saying, I, I do appreciate a time set apart to delve into spooky things. Um, read. I've been getting into Edgar Allan Poe. You know, and reading some classics, uh, Lovecraft, um, th things like that, mm -hmm. you know, and, and watching just terrible spooky stories, uh, terrible s scary movies. Like like what? Name one. <laughs> uh, on Netflix, The Boy. I, I don't know if you've seen that. Mm -hmm. uh, um, Here comes the boy. It's, it's, it was just 
not that good. <laughs> um, and I feel like um, the majority of scary movies are actually not that good. Mm-hmm. And that's some of the payoff is I'm, I'm, I'm subjecting myself to the, the scary thing. And I'm like, oh, am I going to be really scared? And then it's actually not that bad and sort of just funny. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I don't need to be scared about that. And then maybe that translates into the rest of the year where I think I'm going to be scared about something. And then it's kind of falls flat. Do you ever watch a scary movie as an adult that you first watch as a kid and you still like get kind of scared at the part that scared you the most when you first watched it? Uh, you know, I because I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me about that, because I, I am not that uh easily spooked so that's true you're you don't get scared very easily so i'm, I'm much more like Luis in uh, bob's burgers <laughs> very hard to scare so excuse me you can cut that out so one example that comes to mind is the ghost of mr chicken and i know that's like the first one but that was probably my first scary movie which is probably why i love it so much but I think there's one part that always kind of like just gets me just like scared, even though like watching it as an adult in a rational mind is like, why was I like so freaked out about this part, you know? And it's when like the laughing happens. Yeah. Like in the downstairs. And the thing is, is like, I know it's coming because you hear the loud knock before it happens. You hear like two sets of knocks. And then Luther Higgs pops out of his, uh, he pops out of his sleeping bag. And for some reason, I just get like so scared. But part of it is like, it's creepy to listen to, right? So you get that, you know, it's like feeling a cold wind on the back of your neck. You know, it doesn't mean anything, but it sends a chill down your spine. But for some reason, the little kid in me is watching that for the first time every time I watch that scene. And so that's where the nostalgia comes in. But that's why I want to know is like, does the first time you get scared at something really have that big of an impact on you? Well, yeah, I, I was just thinking about Avatar: The Last Airbender, the Puppet Master. <laughs> like, that's, that's some of the scariest TV. Period. Hama, like, when when she like gets into that furl, it's like, oh, yeah. The animators did. Mm. Good job. But as a, a scary thing that meant for kids, um, it, it I think it still holds up today. And maybe that's just because I, I was scared by it as a kid. Well, it's not just you. A lot of people would agree. Yeah. So I think, I don't know if I would consider, going back to your comment, I don't know if I would consider in my life that Halloween was just a kid thing. In fact, some of my fondest memories of Halloween are actually now that I'm an adult. This stage, this is kind of like the sunset of young adult time, you know? And so when right before COVID started, when me and Shelby first met, we would always go to Frightmares. And we actually went to a couple of Halloween parties. I think one year we went to two. And the next year we had like one really big one. But um but we would always go to Frightmare. So Halloween and October, especially, because it wasn't just the day. It was the whole month that's spooky. We would be celebrating. And so, and even in college, I had a few costumes that I would do the whole season. I had like two costumes because I didn't, I was like, why choose just one when I can be a few, you know? As a kid, it was really good too. But now it's kind of sad because if you're in an area that you don't know a whole lot of people, or if you live in an apartment, it's hard to throw a party in an apartment. Right. And so uh, I hope that down the line we get into a little bigger place and make a lot more friends to where we can have our own Halloween parks. I love throwing Halloween parties. That's where you bring out the – because I got my playlist. I got my candy. I got my games. Right. And I got my tricks. Ooh, spooky tricks. (laughs) Uh, And – um, I I still see value in Halloween as an adult. I'm not saying it's entirely for kids, but I I am okay with it being a a, a kid centered holiday 
and and passing that on to the next generation mm-hmm, and, sure. and making sure that they have the best experience possible trick-or-treating and facing their fears right um so that they can then pass it on to their their children right i love the goblins and ghouls and the skeletons skeletons are my favorite part of halloween skeletons skeletons i don't know why but just the animation of a skeleton just the the like light eyeless grins that they give are just like awesome i don't know but here's the other thing that we didn't really talk about halloween gets sexier when you get an adult almost too sexy for me it gets like naughty (laughs) that's true and as a kid it's nightmarish and then you become an adult. It's just naughty. It's like keep it in the bedroom. Like I mean, there's what? nothing wrong with being sexy, <laughs> but oh my gosh, I accidentally clicked on the sexy nurse outfit. Oh no! So, sometimes the universe decides. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're driving, it's it, okay. It's October 31st, right? Yeah. You're driving down the street to a popular. Uh, that's a street that shares the university of your local town, right? Yeah. Any other time of day, it's fine. You stroll down that street or the street that all the bars that the locals go to on Halloween, you're going to see some stuff and you probably wish you ain't going to see it because it makes sense why a lot of people stick together on Halloween. (laughs) No, seriously. It's not because they, it's not always because they got scared. It's because they saw I went to this this college dance once that was like too many nurses and witches out there, yeah. man. Yeah, and sexy cats. And sexy cats. Um, but the dress code was you can't show your genitals, and that was it. And and people went to the limit. <laughs> <laughs> it was wild. It was the wildest thing I've ever seen. You can't be naked. <laughs> That's it. That's the only rule. <laughs> you can't. You, the the. Yeah, I I've, I've, been, I saw things that night. I would have been like George Costanza and just wear like a nude suit, but not actually be nude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, and and um, I I think that's true. And uh, one of our episodes, we're we're going to talk about sort of the the convolution of fear and love and uh uh like why we want to subject ourselves to fear and why that feels good mm-hmm. and, and, all, and all that sort of stuff. And maybe we can talk about that a little bit more during That's that episode. Idea. Yeah. Cause w- why, how did fear get, uh, transposed into sexy? Yeah. You know? Well, I think, yeah, I think we should discuss that because part of me thinks, I don't know if that's true. Mm. I think part of that is just how some people just want to ruin the true spirit of Halloween. Ah, okay. Like I said, I don't think there's anything wrong with being sexy. I just think it's a little bit weird to have it all on Halloween. Yeah. But that's... Spread it around a little bit. That's... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but not... Spread it around on your own time and in your own space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> How horrible. Here's a real nightmare. You're walking with your kid. On Halloween night, and one of them nurses walks out of the home, and then your daughter or your son points and says, I want to be that <laughs> next year. <laughs> no! <laughs> uh, anyway, all right. Thank you so much for listening to this bushwhack. We're really excited for this month. We are so pumped for all these episodes that we have planned. And make sure, if nothing else, to tune in. To our last episode of the month near the day of Halloween where we will share our spooky stories and you, the listener, will crown the spooky king, which the title lasts for a whole year. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope you you, uh, you feel our excitement about this I think that, it, that's coming through. Yeah. we're And we're excited to share with you. If you like things spooky and if you are part of a spooky cult, share it with the cult. all right well a group share it with the group your squad your squad your 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 your, posse your fiends yeah um we would really appreciate that anyways Uh, anyway thank you so much for joining us on this bushwhack i'm jack and i'm fish and you all have a wonderful day
We'd like to take a moment to thank our supporters, Kayla Bell, Shelby, and Michaela. We couldn't do this without you. You're amazing. And we'd like to thank you, our listeners, for making us feel loved and wanted. We sure do appreciate you. That was, that was the, the lightning. The lightning. <laughs> 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 <laughs>